Welcome to Education Matters with the Matsubaro School District Superintendent, Dr. Randy Trainey, a podcast to look inside important education matters here in the Matsu. Hello. I wanted to take the time today and uh, invite two guests in, Justin Ainsworth and Tracy Peterson. They're both the Associate Superintendents of Instruction here in the district, and we wanted to talk with you about remote learning and things that have changed uh, since covid so maybe I'll start with you, Tracy. How is at, for, for our listeners, how is at-home learning through Apex and Matsu Virtual Learning different from homeschool? I love that question because I think that we use these terms a lot of times synonymously, but really in our district, they're pretty different. So homeschool, I'll talk about that one first. I think a lot of people are familiar with homeschool. We have Matsu Central and Twinley Bridge Charter as our homeschool programs. And in a homeschool program, You have uh, an advisor, um, there's a principal, there's a school, there's a lot of support from the school, but really the parent is the teacher in a homeschool program. Mm -hmm. So that means the parent is really in charge of the student's schedule, has a lot of um, say in what it is that a student is learning. And in our virtual school, for our at-home learners, that's our students who are in our brick-and-mortar schools, they have a Matsu school board, school district certified teacher from within that school. Most of our elementary schools have from one to even four at, um, at-home virtual teachers, depending on how many virtual or at-home students they have in their school. And that teacher is the teacher for that student. The parent is more like we think of that parent as being a coach, a mm-hmm. learning coach on the side. Certainly a student still needs, you know, parents to support them, even with our virtual learning. But the parent's not responsible for all of the content that students are learning. So it's really, we think of virtual school as school at home. And it looks and sounds a lot like school in our brick and mortar schools. All right. What should parents expect for frequency of communication when they pick that at home learning? You know, it's it kind of varies at different grade levels and in different elementary schools, but there's going to be some type of communication daily either through the Buzz platform with the Matsu Virtual Learning program that we're using or through Google Classroom. That doesn't mean that uh, there are Zoom classes going on every day, but there's going to be some type of communication daily. Mm -hmm. Maybe you, Mr. Ainsworth, on this one. What, What have we done to help prepare for those times when we need to pivot from brick and mortar learning to at home learning? Yeah. So I think one of the, you know, lessons learned from the spring of, of last year during the fourth quarter, and, and this is no fault of anybody's. I, I think everybody was trying to do the best job they could, and it was just new territory, new landscape. We overwhelmed a lot of our students and families unintentionally with too many platforms, resources, ed tech tools, et cetera, and, and we received that feedback from parents and students. And so um, this summer with, with, with teachers and principals and our, our COVID working group, uh, we were really intentional about streamlining and narrowing down the number of resources that we, that we were going to deploy this fall, knowing that there was a chance that we would maybe pivot to remote learning, which we've already had to do with, I think, six of our schools. And so the goal was to allow our students to be comfortable with the platform. So at the secondary level, it was Apex and Google Classroom and, and a couple other ed tech tools. 
at the elementary level, it was it's uh, Matsu Virtual. They're also using Google Classroom. And in the end, it's really uh, to, so students can get to content learning because we know as educators, if, if their working memory is caught up in, in platforms and technical issues and they're not fluid with those resources, they don't get to learning as quickly as they need to be. So I, I think the work that has been done the end of fourth quarter with, with teachers and uh, other educators and that feedback and the work over the summer has really positioned us and it's it's not perfect but it's uh the feedback the early feedback um and i'll speak for colony middle and colony high both principals put out a survey post their closure and and parents were were really positive and and uh, complimentary about the the remote learning transition you mentioned apex learning can you give our listeners a history of how long we've been using it yeah we've been using apex i think for about 13 years originally apex was uh, intended to kind of help kids, uh, students who were credit deficient, um, students who, who were struggling. And then there was a small group. It was used for uh, acceleration and offering uh, advanced placement classes that weren't or, uh, in our traditional brick-and-mortar environment. Since that time, Apex has evolved, and, and really now it's, it's kind of a staple in many of our, our high schools, even pre-COVID. Uh, we had we had core subject area teachers who were using Apex in a in a blended learning environment. So it was that face to face with an instructor, but they were all they also had the advantages of using technology to to accelerate learning or remediate learning. And so we're 13 years with Apex. Uh, we leveraged Apex um, during COVID, um, realizing that. We had to have a viable resource, a curriculum resource, a standards-based resource when uh, we went to remote learning. So currently, Apex is being used amongst um, all of our core subject area teachers. That's your science, your math, your language arts, your social science teachers uh, in, in those core classrooms. And then we also have some of our CTE, current technical education teachers are using it, uh, primarily kind of in business, um, the business uh, disciplines, and then computer science courses. So maybe this would be a good transition for you to talk to us about uh, Matsu Virtual Learning and kind of the history of that program and how it arrived here. Yeah, we don't have such a long history with Matsu Virtual nope. Learning. We have about a one-month history with that. <laughs> but uh, we knew from the work we were doing with Apex really back in May and June when we were making the decision that for secondary that we had a good solution for the, the need for an online program for our secondary. We didn't have that for our elementary. So we started basically by um, looking to the state for some guidance. Mm-hmm. And the state has a program called Alaska Statewide Virtual School, AKSVS, and that's the state's um, virtual school platform that they have vetted, they've been working with, um, it's really a partnership with the Florida Virtual School, and they've been working on that, my understanding is for a couple of years, but they've been uh, vetting that program and offered it for free when we went to the closure in the spring. But that was just a temporary, it wouldn't, wouldn't always be for free. So nothing's for free. <laughs> so what we've found when we were working with the state, originally our plan was that we were just going to have our at-home virtual learners using the Alaska Statewide Virtual Platform. But we had many elementary principals who were reaching out to the Office of Instruction. We also were discussing it in our office that we knew we had this need for all of our students. So we made a transition to 
working through the state originally with the Department of Education. They hooked up uh, hooked us up with the Florida Virtual School, and we basically just made our own platform with them. So it's really the exact same program for any of our listeners who know anything about Alaska Statewide Virtual School. It's called the Buzz Platform. It's the same platform with the same content from Florida Virtual School, but it's our own now, our own platform, the Matsu Virtual Learning. And now it's available for all of our students, kindergarten through fifth grade. So what we have in a lot of our elementary schools, uh, over half of our elementary schools are using the Alaska, or excuse me, the Matsu Virtual Learning, this Florida Virtual uh, School platform. For as their core program for all students. And that's really helpful for when a school does go to a short-term or long-term closure, kids are going to be, students are going to be used to using that platform. Almost half of our elementary schools are continuing to use our district-adopted core programs, primarily Journeys and Go Math, Journeys for English Language Arts and Go Math for Math, and they are supplementing with the Matsu Virtual Learning. Both of those models are fine. Um, We have great programs in our district. They're all standards aligned. This Matsu Virtual Learning is standards aligned. So either route is is a good route to go, and and student or schools have that autonomy to decide which way they're going to use the Matsu Virtual Learning. But the good news for our, our families and students and teachers is that we have now a robust online platform for all of our students now kindergarten through 12th grade. And it sounds like from what you're saying that we're actually using that platform in the schools to one degree or another, even when we're in in in-person learning. Correct. We are. Mm -hmm. And um, it's our full-time virtual students have been using the platform for about two weeks. It has taken some time once we decided to create our own platform that did slow things down just a little bit, but we knew in the end it was the right decision. So we kind of went through that pain for a little while and, but our virtual full-time virtual students have been using this program for one to two weeks. And we're, I've been talking to principals throughout the week, uh, this week, and it's being rolled out in different classrooms across the district. So parents can expect in the next couple of weeks that they will, if they haven't already, they'll be getting information about this platform and how they can log in and they can see how their students are doing as well. Excellent. So, Mr. Ainsworth, is there something similar that's happening with the high school students? Like, are they you are they actively using um, Apex? Before, while they're still in in-person learning? Yeah, so we, uh, when we talk to principals and teachers about uh, deploying APEX, there, there's a balance, right? We, we, uh, we recognize that during the fourth quarter, our students were primarily in a virtual environment. And so what was missing was that face-to-face, in-person uh, uh, learning. And we needed to get, now that we're back in school, we, need to, we have to enhance that. Um, but knowing that we might have to pivot, transition to remote learning, we talk about, we, our guidance is about 40 minutes a week uh, that we'd like to see students on the platform so that they're comfortable and the, and the coach in me just says reps. They've got to have the reps so that we can make that transition more seamless. But our teachers still need to use those best practices that they've used for years. Uh, nobody, uh, including you, Dr. Trainee, is is recommending that our students, and I think this is really important for our community because I have this conversation all the time, nobody is recommending that our students are in front of a computer when they're at school four to five days a week. We really want the collaboration and, and the direct instruction and just those timeless practices that our teachers use. Uh, we got to get back to those things. But the reality is our students uh, have to be comfortable with technology. And, and you're probably going to ask this, but I've got to make sure I integrate this. This is one of my favorite topics. Technology is integrated in everybody's lives, and it's integrated in, in, in 
almost every profession. You can't get away from it. And we really have the responsibility as educators to prepare them for that at the the brick-and-mortar university level. Even if you go to state U, you're probably going to take an online course. Once you go into your professional life, you're constantly going to be upscaling and and, and improving your skills and uh, getting credentials and license and micro badges and all these things that we, you know, we've talked about lifelong learning forever, but really lifelong learning is, is, is a reality for our students. And, and one of those modalities is online learning. And to be an effective online learner, you have to be able to self-manage. It's really important to self-manage and you've got to be motivated and organized and disciplined and all those things. And so the goal is to create those conditions and those environments so our students can transition and they have those skills as adults. Uh, Technology accelerates at such a rapid rate uh, that that we just all are constantly in this cycle of of learning. Um, However, Technology isn't very good at nuance either, right? It, that we talk to teachers about let let the technology do the lower level things and the Bloom's taxonomy framework that most educators are familiar. Let them take care of comprehension knowledge. Uh, technology and computer is really good at sequential patterns and algorithms, but it's not good at nuance, right? And that's where the teacher's expertise comes in and teacher relationships and uh, timing, uh, technology can't replace those things. But in, in a, in a work division of labor environment, outsource low level things to the tech. So you can focus on those things that the teachers are really good at. You mentioned both of you that both of these programs are pretty robust programs, but particularly on the apex side, what advantages do you see that it might, that we may have learned because of COVID and now that we're implementing this how can we take its robust nature looking forward past covid and maybe impact i'm thinking specifically like a school like sioux valley Mm -hmm. how can we how can we leverage what we've learned about apex to maybe offer more different kinds of things to kids across the entire district yeah really good question i think one of the lessons learned is just leveling the play and field in terms of access to uh rigorous content like an advanced placement um class or even a CT class. Our, our smaller schools just don't have the, it's, it's economy of scale. Houston, Reddington, Sioux Valley, for example, don't have the same master schedules that a colony or a Wasilla High have. And it's probably, you know, they shouldn't try to replicate those things. But we can use technology to connect students to this content. And so we've talked about, can we have kids at Houston taking an AP calculus class at Palmer or Wasilla High or, or, or Colony High um, when they only have a couple of advanced placement courses and our big schools have anywhere from 12 to 15. Uh, so there's, there's course content, there's the CTE world, and there's also just the, the regular traditional class. There are tools that are built in so if a kid is struggling, they can get just-in-time support. There's spelling, there's grammar, there's tutorials, and then conversely, students who are accelerating can move forward if needed. Maybe switching gears a little bit, just this is kind of a vocabulary question, I think probably more for you. Can you tell parents what we mean when we say blended learning? It's a fairly new term. Yeah, d- there, there's several uh, definitions. I would say the most common definition is really you're in a classroom with a teacher. So you have that face-to-face instruction, 
but at the same time, you also um, have access to technology, and that access extends beyond the school day. It extends beyond the brick-and-mortar environment. So we always talk about blended. There's the place, which is school and home, so continuity of learning is happening in both environments. There's, There's pace, right, so students can... They can move forward or they can move back. They can they can get that help, just in time help. I, I think that's one of the, the benefits and powers of technologies that gives support. I'll just give you a quick story. When I was at Colony High as the principal and we started blended learning, I asked a student who, to be honest, was a struggling student. And I said, what are the benefits to the Chromebook and, and the resources? He said, I, I'm not a very good speller. I'm not a very good reader. And I get the support right now, and I don't have to raise my hand. He goes, if I have to raise my hand and I have to get the dictionary, I won't do it because I'm embarrassed. And so there was a protection piece there for him. And then there's path. So you allow students to pick. They have some level of control over the direction. So just, I guess, in simple terms, it's you, you've, you've got a teacher, uh, but that's also coupled with, um, with technology. Maybe we're getting near the end of our time, so maybe a question I'll throw out to both of you. What, what things do you think we've learned as a district? You know, we had to face this crisis. We're still kind of in the middle of it. But what are the good takeaways that, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be about online learning, but anything else that we might have learned that you think is actually going to benefit students going forward? Yeah, I, I've got one. Well, i got a couple, but I'm going to mention one. We have some really talented people in this district, and we were primed for this. this. This work in terms of remote learning, virtual learning, blended learning has been going on for years. And there's, and I could mention all kinds of people. I'm not going to, but there's an army of people who have been doing this work way before COVID. And not that it was perfect, it wasn't. But because of that work and the talent and the experience and capacity in this district, we were able to transition, I think, better than some other districts. So just the, the capacity of people. And just to piggyback on that just a little bit, I have been just incredibly impressed with our teachers and the collaboration that they've done. The kind of work that they're doing is getting together by grade level teams, identifying essential standards for this year, also identifying essential standards from the fourth quarter and making sure that they're incorporating those standards into their new school year. Just that we, we talk about collective e- efficacy with our teachers, and that's what we're always, that's always our goal is where teachers are working together, collaborating, and coming up with solutions to the challenges that COVID has brought for us. And I, the work, professional growth that our teachers have participated in, that's going, I think we're going to reap the benefits for, of that for a long time after COVID-19. Right. Well, thank you both for spending time with us talking to our, our constituency out there. If, if you're interested in more information about at-home learning or remote learning, you can go to matsuk12.us forward slash home, or you could always call the Office of Instruction at 746-9212. Uh, this is Randy Traney signing off. Remember, education matters.